today on The Breakdown. This is maybe the hand of the year so far. It's Phil Hellmuth against Antonio Esfandiari. They're playing a heads-up match, $100,000 buy-in. That's right, $100,000 buy-in. I said it. And this hand just, well, it's extraordinary. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. And it's for real money. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about it. You know, we may get into some other things, too, like should Phil Hellmuth even run for president? We're going to get into all of it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I was unaware of Phil Hellmuth's Dark Horse presidential bid. When did this become a thing? Well, I mean, when... I, th- I feel like it's always been a thing and we just haven't been talking about it. You know, like these things can come and out of nowhere. Naturally, you just naturally kind of accept that he's on the ballot <laughs> and he doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's on, on the ballot in some state. Okay. Before, just before we started recording, you were claiming that you would make a better president of Felhamuth and I was challenging you on that. I was saying that's, uh-huh. that's just, you know, do you, that's do you want to continue that challenge? That's just do your you ego, that? man. <laughs> So, so do you think do you think you would make a better president than Phil Hughes? Yes, of course I would. And that's not your ego. It's I went to I have a master's degree in government. That doesn't qualify you to be president. It sure helps. Honestly, like I went to school with people who are heads of state now. Like and they went th- they went to my they went to my graduate program specifically because they knew they were going to become heads of state. Things like that. Like it kind of does. How do you like that? Oh, man, I owned you. Super hard. I would still be a better president than Phil Hellmuth. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I would still be a better president than you. You are now conceding my point. I love that. I never get you to concede anything. That was amazing. I mean, um, you, you clearly have a better resume to be president than me based, right. on, that, that, based on that, that alone. However, however, if you were actually going to go through with it and watch a presidential term of Denison versus a presidential term of Levy, everybody would agree that the Denison term would be far better. Far well, better for everybody. <laughs> let's see if you can even beat Phil Hellmuth before we try and scale the mountain of Lev. All right. I disagree that you would obviously be a better president than Phil Hellmuth. I think oh, Phil really? Hellmuth would pretty clearly be a better president than you. Based on what? Uh, comfort with being in front of uh, cameras. Phil's got you there. He's on TV all the time. How many people? I have comfort with being in front of cameras. Not to the degree that he does. Come on. Come on. And that's... Okay, what else you got? If he, that's that's precarious at best. What else you got? Uh, I was mostly leaning on that. Uh, his ability to uh, to read read people, <laughs> the white magic man. Think about how good that would be politically for us all. What do you got? You just would have his like, ability to not remember anybody's name but his own and care about nobody but but himself. He name Is drops. He remembers those names. He remembers famous people's names all the time. He will. So, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't remember the names. You'd forget them. You'd be like, is it P. Diddy or D. Pity? I'm not sure. Well, actually, you bring up a good point because I don't know what that guy's name is any given year. He changes it yeah. frequently. So to be fair, I don't currently know what the person whose birth certificate reads Sean Combs is going by. Okay. I do I, not. I bet you Phil does. Are you friends with the, uh, the owners of the Warriors? Do you ever hang out with Steph Curry? No. And with no. Steph? No, I'm a Blazers fan. I hang out with Dame. Do you hang out with Dame? 
See, Phil actually yeah. hangs out with these guys. Probably, do you think? Do you think maybe. he produces his own rap albums, Dame Dolla? Do you think that's what happens, <laughs> or do you think maybe he has a friend named Grant who produces his albums for him? Could you give me a little for free pro bono because really? I believe in him. Because I believe in his talent. Well, if you believe in his talent, why wouldn't you want to make any money off it? It's just because I, he's my friend. Like, don't you want to see your friend succeed? With do you always have a personal vested interest in your friend's success that that's beyond just being happy for them? I mean, it's do you better. need to have a financial incentive to see your friend be able to walk again after twenty years? It's always is that what you need to have a financial incentive? Don't you think? I mean, you right, have so you not seen any of your friends in a big poker tournament, and like you're more into it if you if you have a piece. That's all we're talking about, right? I mean, sure, but now we're talking about your friend is in a terrible accident. Yeah. They're, they're wheelchair-bound for 20 years, and they have an opportunity to get up. You care if they get up if, if you have no money involved? Or are you like, ah, eh, whatever. Oh, no, sure, it's I all care. all to me. I care. I care the way I, you know, like, oh, did you win that tournament? Oh, you did. That's great. You know, versus, yes, <laughs> we did it. You know, I'm going to buy you pancakes forever. 10% baby, you know, that's how it would <laughs> yeah. be. And it's the same thing with the uh, guy who's not walking right now and may one day walk like, sure. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Did you walk or your kid had did like your kid graduate third grade? I don't know. That's great. Whatever. What's your, what's your name again? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Jim, Jack, Jack, Jack. I don't know. Something. It's cool. We're, I'm, I'm happy for you, man. You know, and I don't feel anything inside. I'm happy for them. It's different versus it affects my life. It matters, and I, I care, and I'm loving my life. You see, I feel alive. Yeah, no, I, I need to basically have a little action on that. You know, that guy getting up or not. <laughs> a little skin in the game. <laughs> Will he walk? Yeah. So, Good. but that's all it takes. But I know that about myself, so it's, it's easy that way. Then I just, anytime I have a friend who sort of needs me emotionally, I bet on their, you know, I, I bet or somehow get financially involved in the outcome, and then I can uh, be there for them emotionally. So then... Then I ask about this question about the term for President Levy then. Sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> in, in matters of state, like yeah. dealing with Iran and their nuclear program and stuff like that, is it legal for you to bet on the outcome of a negotiation? <laughs> because if it's not, that's problematic because you need to bet on that outcome in order to actually try to affect change in a meaningful way. I don't know what the legal implications are of something like that. That's for some big-brained... Harvard lawyer to figure out 50 years from now, Grant, okay? What I can tell you is this. If I'm, you know, there in Palestine and Israel are, like, close, you know, and they need me to come in and, like, try and seal the deal, you know, make it, make it so everyone is, you know, we finally have peace in the Middle East. I'm just saying if, if I could get 10% of those oil reserves, you know, it's going to happen, and it's probably going to happen a little bit faster and a little bit better. And I don't mean that as a bribe. I just mean in terms of because I'm going to be more emotionally committed to it. I'm not saying I'm not going to try either way. I'm going to try. It's just a question of how, how invested am I really going to be? It's, it's, it's an internal thing. You know, it's not like mm. I, w- I would really give my full 100%. But if I don't have any skin in the game, I that's, what, that's, that's my strength, though. That's not a weakness. It's going to make me a better president, Grant. Assuming that you are allowed to bet on these outcomes, because if you're not, then we have a problem. I'm not right? saying bet. I'm saying they can give me 10% of the value of the oil reserves. Oh. They just say that. They're like, come on in, do your best to seal the deal. If it all works out, we'll give you 10%. And I'm like, great, we'll see what happens. You know, I work I'm on pretty sure that's way. I'm pretty sure that's way more illegal than betting <laughs> on the outcome. <laughs> um, 
I'm not sure which one's more illegal, quite frankly. Um, both are probably, you know, right now, currently constitutionally problematic. I'll give you that. But uh, I'm saying that these are the, since you know what, what makes me tick, we all know what makes me tick, it's easy to, to get great results. No one knows what make you tick. You're a freaking mystery. This is part of your problem. So you're going to, sometimes you're going to no, do that's great. that's good. Sometimes our you're going to do terrible. Will never, all, our enemies will never be rapping at the gates, for they will fear my mysterious nature. No. They won't know what to do. No, they'll just be like, it's an intermittent thing. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. We don't know. We'll t- let's, t- let's, let's try bombing the country and see if it works, because maybe it'll work. They'd never do that with me. They're like, if this guy's got financial incentive, <laughs> it's a huge mistake to attack them. You know? So I clearly would be a great president just for that reason, let alone my background and well-spokenness. <laughs> I mean, how often do I screw up saying something? <laughs> I, I know that's, you're like taking a dig at yourself yeah. and I respect that. Yeah. But the answer is more frequently than you would expect. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's right. I'm aware yeah. of myself screwing up a fair amount, and I'm sure there are many times I'm, I don't know it either, right? Self-awareness is a good quality for a president mm. to have, so I'm glad you have that. Thanks. I like how you're saying it as if I'm already the president now. I like this. This is working for me. Do you have any history of osteoporosis in your family? I do not. That's, that's it. That's all, you, that's all you need. You hit all the boxes. <laughs> If I did, would I be out, or would you just like say like you need to drink it's, a little it's bit? It's just of a knock on you. It's like ah, he's got kind of potential for brittle bones. We don't really want that mm. from, from yeah the, the person running the country with their brittle bones. What if they sit down and their bones hurt, and then they like accidentally give Texas to China because their bones hurt? I mean, th- things like that do happen. Yeah, I mean, not Texas to All China, obviously, but like on a smaller level, you're a little uncomfortable. You give it, you give away the farm a little bit, you know, because you want to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so I think it's clear. The order of, like, best president to worst president, uh, Jonathan Levy, one, Phil Hummuth, two, Grant Dennison, three. It's done. It's done. It's over. There's nothing I can do now. I guess, I, I guess the judge has ruled. Yeah. I can't say anything. Yeah. That's, you know, you don't have to put it down. I think you'd make a better vice president than, than Phil Hummuth would. Mm. Well, I just have to rethink my next four years because I was going to run in 2024. <laughs> yeah. But now, because that's the first time I'm legally allowed to run age-wise. Um, so, yeah. It's exciting. You should run, but with the intention of not being president and turn it down if they give it to you, you know? You know the way... Um, like, try really hard to win and just, like, destroy my opponent's lives <laughs> with the, the stuff I dig up on them and just, like, pretty much change the whole country forever in a negative way. And then oh. they're like, okay, now you got to be president and kind of implement all these things you said that if you don't do it, it's a real problem. I'm like, yeah. You could be like Jeff Shulman. You know Jeff Shulman when he was at the uh, main event final table? He said if he won, he was going to take the bracelet and throw it in the garbage. You could go up to your inauguration when they put the Bible out for you to swear on. You could take the Bible and just throw it in the garbage. (laughs) That would endear me to the American people. That would pretty much, you wouldn't have to worry about being president anymore, most likely in in this country. Okay. Well, we did our form of political humor. There we go. We just did it. Yeah. Fabulous. Great job, everyone. Uh, I mean, we can do political humor that's far more, you know, targeted and fiery, but I don't think that would be good for the brand right now. So I I don't want to get instead. I don't want to go down any of that road, man. We're a poker podcast. We're here for fun. Yeah, of course we don't. Of course we don't. Speaking of fun, it's kind of fun how much it seems like Phil and Antonio actually dislike each other. Like, I feel like it goes beyond just their rivals in poker. I think they, they in real life kind of don't like each other. 
I think this hand is an example of that maybe even coming through in the way each of them plays the hand. I think I might have spilled over into poker strategy. Well, here's what I'm going to say to that. I would have thought the same thing and did. Now, I watched this entire match, and I watched the previous match also. So just so everyone understands the format here, um, it's called High Stakes Duel. And the first one, some, there's two guys who play. This is the first time they've ever done it. It's $50,000 buy-in. When the per, whoever wins, and in this case, Phil Hummuth won the first match like a month ago or so, um, the person who lost has the opportunity to immediately demand a rematch, basically. And if not, then they find someone else to play the winner. Um, and the stakes double each round. And there's as many as eight rounds, but the person who wins the first match has to play at least three rounds. So we're in round two. Antonio did snap rematch Phil. So here we are. They're playing it now. And it's $100,000 buy-in each. So I watched both of these uh, matches in their entirety, right? Phil and Antonio claim to be good friends and that they just give each other a really hard time publicly a lot and even privately, but that's sort of part of their relationship. But they like were making plans to go to dinner even as they were playing this match with each other afterward and talking about hanging out and things like that. So actually, I think you're incorrect, even though I would have thought the hmm. same thing without seeing that. Okay. Yeah. They showed a bunch of email between the two of them for this match because I guess Poker Go wanted to schedule it earlier and Phil refused to do it. And Antonio sort of calling him a princess because Phil's saying, like, I don't get up before noon and I don't want to ruin my schedule. And Tony's like, look at all these people are working. Just get up a little bit earlier. And Phil's like, I'm not going to be worse because you want me to. I'm not going to let you, you know, give you any edge. And they, it got, like, kind of intense. But I think that's just sort of how they are with each other. As, and, but they're actually friends. I think they actually are friends, interestingly enough. Well, they don't play this pot like they're friends. No. They're going after each other in this thing. 100%. I mean, they, it is war for them on the felt with each other. And even sometimes off the felt, at least in terms of their personalities, right? But uh, this wasn't the only hand, but this is the best example of the psychological war that, that happens between these two guys. This hand we're about to do right now. Yeah, which was suggested, by the way, by Carl, Leas, and Dylan Reich. Uh, they, of course, suggested on Twitter. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter, at the number two Poker Guys. When you suggest, please include a YouTube link and a timestamp. This is a Poker Go hand, but Poker Go saw fit to put it on YouTube, so we did get YouTube links for this. You can also suggest hands on Poker Go that aren't on YouTube. Uh, it just will be guaranteed to be podcast only, which is true of this as well, because Poker Go are litigious about their things. They, they are. don't want us to... Uh, Use their videos. They're super without. intense. Yeah. We don't know why. We wish they weren't. Uh, I will say this. This is the best hand, the showiest hand, the most exciting hand from the whole thing. But there are probably other hands we're going to do from this match as well. Because and we, we've had a few other ones suggested already uh, that are really worth doing. And I'm excited to talk about too. But this is by far like, we have to talk about this. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, obviously, we're going to get suggestions on that hand. And here we are. All right, so let's talk about it. Okay. It is uh, the 250-500 blind level in this match. Of course, we are heads up. They both started with 100K in chips. Yeah. As Fondiari has built a little bit of a lead, he's got 133K, and he's in the small blind slash button with 8.5 off, and he makes it 1,100 chips at 250-500. So I guess he... Did he have a holistic, I'm raising every button strategy against Phil? Pretty much. This would suggest uh, that. Yeah, he, um, he was raising every button, and then Phil started calling him out for it and telling Antonio he was really bad for raising every button and C-betting every time and went on and on about how terrible that was and how he had no chance when he was doing that. And Phil was always going to beat him whenever that was happening. And 
I would say about two hours in, Antonio once in a while would limp a pot. I don't know if it has anything to do with Phil saying that or not, but Phil then took credit for the fact that Antonio was now starting to limp a pot a little bit. Made a big deal about how now he's limping a pot because he's because Phil told him to, and I don't know if any of that had anything to do with anything. But but Antonio was raising almost a hundred percent of buttons, and when he wasn't, okay. he was usually folding. Right. You yeah. You think this could? Uh, this is probably too good of a hand to fold heads up. But yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna have a limping range on the button, you could include a hand like eight five off because you know you still have position, but and there's no real need to inflate the Popeye six hundred chips per person when. You don't have very much fold equity at all if you have any when you make it eleven hundred. It's not. I mean, yeah, I assume. Sorry, uh, it's it's not about fold equity pre flop. I don't think like once in a while you're going to fold out the bottom ten percent of hands, but I think it's about the C bet being super super profitable for you, what you're setting up. Yeah, that's reasonable. Anyway, Helmuth has Ace three of clubs and sixty six k, so he's still got well over a hundred bigs despite being in an early hole in this in this match. Um, this is a hand you could definitely three bet. I'm assuming Helmuth wasn't three betting too much out of the big blind, just knowing Phil. That is correct. He was only he would three bet his pretty much just his absolute monsters, and often often he was just calling like with. And he was by the way he also was usually limping pre flop when it was his button, no matter what he had. Okay, interesting. Yeah, feels like if you're gonna raise monsters, you should also raise some other hands. Probably that would be good. Well, what he what he does is when he gets on insane tilt which sometimes he'll do for a little while, then he'll raise anything no matter what, you know? And so, like, suddenly he's three-betting like crazy, and it's, it's really incredible that this guy's been successful considering the level of tilt he goes on, like, for a while. And, you know, we've seen him do it multiple times, you know? Yeah, tilt should be very difficult to overcome and often is for yeah. many players. Um, A3 of clubs at this blind depth, I feel like, feels like a three-bet, you know? It's just... It's not too shallow of a blind depth to three bet it and worry about like the the conundrum of what could happen if you get four bet. I mean, you I just think, fold if you get four. Yeah, bet. you just fold almost always. Like Antonio wouldn't be. I mean, I don't think Antonio four bet once pre flop the entire three hour three and a half hour match. I don't know if anybody did. It just wasn't like a thing. Um, but Phil partially because Phil wasn't three betting, so I think it's fine to call though when you're a hundred and twenty whatever, 132 blinds deep, 133 blinds deep to call with this hand, especially when you know Antonio's going to see bet almost every flop. You know, it, yeah. it makes it, like, pretty fine to just call and let him fire away, and this is one of your better hands to do it with, you know. Sure, fair enough. So we're going to head to the flop with 8-5 uh, for Esfandiari, 8-5 off, and help me with, with ace-3 of clubs. But I have a confession. Lay it on me, man. Uh, people... People confess to me all the time, so this is normal for me. I'm ready. Go. Seven years ago, I think you know what I'm going to say, Jonathan. Seven I, years I, ago. I have a guess. I was at the cabin. You know the cabin. The cabin that we always talk used to about. go to. Talk about, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of tough. Um, the, uh, the internet went out, and I got a little scared. Yeah. And I... I went, I went to the grocery store and I, uh, I just thought about nitrogen sports the whole time, <laughs> the whole time. And, and it made me so sad that I couldn't log on. And, uh, I cried openly in the grocery store to the point that the police were called because I refused to move. <laughs> the I police? was obstinate. I was arrested because I was, 
I was obstructing the grocery store's daily business mm. because of my deep, deep love for nitrogen sports, Jonathan. I feel like they should That's have called. They should have called the fire department. It's like you're a cat in a tree at this point. You're not really. But whatever. I, you but know so what? Be it. Honestly, my memory of it is hazy because I was mm. weeping so loudly. Yeah. And it, it might have affected my eardrums and stuff. Um, so, sure. like, it was, a, it was a tough moment for me in general. So I don't remember exactly who came and took me away. <laughs> but <laughs> the upshot here is that nitrogen <laughs> sports is such a beautiful thing that being without it for even a moment in my life, mm. in my cabin, I, uh, I became so overwhelmed with grief that it had consequences, Jonathan. And that's yeah. because nitrogen is the best thing in online poker. Yeah. It's because of their 90-minute withdrawals, Jonathan. Why doesn't everybody have 90-minute withdrawals? I don't know, man. One day, you know, one day a, a, a more perfect world will be created, and that will be, that will be a big part of it. You know? Yeah. You get them really quick. Hopefully, get your money out Hopefully really that's the case. <laughs> but hey, guess what? That world still exists on nitrogen. Mm. If you bank something such as our monthly Poker Guys tournament, which is a 0.1 millibit buy-in with a 100 millibit guarantee, meaning we need 1,000 players to meet the guarantee. Guess what? They cap it at 300 players. If you're to bank that thing, then you can get your money in 90 minutes. No yep. messing around. Bitcoin only. So it's crypto. It's fast. It's wonderful. And I love it. Pretty good deal. You get that massive overlay. You get the money out quick. Of course, they also have sports betting and casino games. You got to use the link in the description of this podcast to sign up for Nitrogen if you haven't already signed up. Uh, to get access to that uh, tournament that is monthly, as well as other Poker Guys events that happen here and there. You know, we have other things that happen, like we have currently an NFL Survivor Pool going on, uh, which was a free sign up for people. And there's just you know, free money available. We have other stuff that happens once in a while. Nitrogen and us, we've been together a long time. We're like peanut butter and jelly, you know, the different flavors. I would just caution you to let yourself like nitrogen. Maybe don't let yourself love it because you don't want to end up like me. Despondent. With a permanent record. (laughs) (laughs) Permanent the record. The story of one man's love of an online sports betting site. And poker side. And the very, the very minor charges that were brought against him. And the family yes. that loved him. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Let's return to the hand after that different type of ad. Let's we're do it. different stuff sometimes. I'm ready. All right. So we've got 8-5 off for Antonio's Fondiari. He opened the button. 8 of diamonds, 5 of clubs. Helmuth has ace-3 of clubs. Pot is 2,200. The flop is 4 of hearts, jack of diamonds, jack of spades. Pretty much nothing going on related to either of these hands. Yeah. They both have backdoor straight draws, but who cares? Nobody has a backdoor flush draw. How could this hand be the hand of the year, Levy? How could it possibly be? It's hard to know, but let's find out together. It's because these guys at least poker hate each other. That's why. Fair enough. Like, and you're going to see what I'm talking about. Helmuth checks. Is Fondiari going to see bet the minimum 600? Oh, almost the minimum. 100 more. 600. I like the sizing on this dry board. Do you agree? Yeah. You'd think this is a pretty clear call for Helmuth most of the time, right? I really do. Uh, I mean, folding seems absurd. Raising folds out pretty much all the worst hands and gets called by pretty much all the better hands. There's a little bit of, you know, overlap there where maybe we fold out a few better hands. Maybe we get called by a few worse hands. But mostly it's just, this is like a perfect just call hand, it feels like. Yeah. I guess we could deny equity with the raise, but whatever, I mean. Well, Phil wants to deny that equity. Yeah. So he makes it 1800 and he should be successful in denying that equity. 
but he's not. As Fondiari calls, floating in position with eight high on the Jack-Jack foreboard. What is behind this? Is this just pure poker hate of Phil Hellmuth and wanting to outplay him? Fancy play syndrome? Or is there more to it? Um, there's a little more to it. I don't know if there's a lot more to it. So something that really very clearly happened in this um, match is Phil took the early lead. Uh, Phil was running really hot for the first hour. And Antonio slowly started making some hands and came back and then took this lead that he has now, which is a significant lead. And once he took the chip lead, Antonio started making a lot more plays in position. And most of the plays were not raises. Most of them were calls and spots just like this. Because Phil likes to check raise flops, uh, whether he has a piece or not. Especially as he's losing, he's going to check raise more of the time when he doesn't have something. I think Antonio knows that. Uh, And so Antonio just decided to start calling Phil's raises when he was in position, and he had the chip lead, I think because he felt like he could outplay Phil later in the hand. Uh, and so this was a continuation of a strategy we'd already been seeing probably for the last 20 to 30 minutes where Antonio just wasn't folding these raises anymore. It didn't matter what he had. He felt like he could win the pot later and was at least doing okay with that strategy. I don't know if he was killing it, but he was doing at least fine with it. So here's a spot where it okay. may really work out too. I mean, Phil doesn't really have anything either, right? Yeah. Does he? Do you think Antonio believes Phil would just never raise a jack because he's so trappy and like... Uh, it, Maybe maybe Phil almost always has an equity denial or bluffy type hand. I think he probably assumes that's most of the case. Probably once in a while Phil has trip jacks, but probably Phil has a lot of fours or a lot of nothings mostly, right? And things that things that you're going to get Phil to fold later if you try. So yeah, I think that's probably a lot of it. And also, just Phil's frequencies are just so high at this point with the check raising that even if he's check raising all his jacks, it's probably fine to call here because you're going to be able to fold out so much of the other stuff because there's just a lot of other stuff too. Yeah, but if you're creating this floating strategy, this doesn't feel like a hand that you want to include in that. You yeah. know, you're gonna you should have some folds if you're gonna be balanced in any way. And this hand has really nothing going on. I mean, it does have a backdoor gut shot that is potentially <laughs> that happen. is it. Yeah. yeah. Like there's you would at least want to have something that surrounds the jacks, maybe, if you're gonna have a hand that has really no real equity, like Queen Ten at least is like some of the more likely jacks, although maybe not true in a heads-up match when he just called 600 more out of the big blind. Just something with like a backdoor flush draw and a backdoor straight draw, maybe, if you're going to do this. The only good thing I can think about this hand, besides the fact we have a backdoor gut shot, is we have two cards that are over the four. So if Phil's doing this with the four, which is possible, we can hit... There's, there's a bunch of reasonable cards for us on the turn, i.e. five, six, seven, eight. either make us a pair or make us a straight draw on the turn. That's not that many cards, honestly. Uh, I agree with you. I think this is just like... St- I mean, I don't love Phil check raising. I certainly wouldn't call if I was Antonio here either, almost ever, like for all the reasons you're saying, right? But I think at least we have over cards to the four. That's good. I mean, it feels like thing. Antonio is just clicking buttons and deciding to never fold on the yeah. flop, and it's just too much. I think, I think that's right. He thinks he can play wildly unbalanced against Phil in these spots. And uh, I will say, Phil only has ace three. So maybe he's right. Because there's no way Antonio's going to, uh, you know, not put in a lot of chips if he doesn't make a pair. You know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if he doesn't improve, maybe he'll fold to another barrel from Phil. But if Phil, like, sh- at any point checks, Antonio isn't going to check back, right? Like, he, unless he hits an eight or a five. He's always going to bet and try and steal this pot. Like, we know that about him. He's, he's one of those people who will follow through on his plans. So, oh man, that's good. What? I'll tell you, 
I'll tell you this is not this is not what's going to happen in the hand, but mm-hmm. it would be so fun for me if the turn was a five and Phil just checked it down and Antonio checked it down too, just to see Phil's reaction when Antonio turns over the mm. the eight five off. Yeah. Well, I'll but say that's not what's going to happen. I will say without giving away anything, there are reactions after this hand because, as I was saying, this is the hand of the year so far. There's definitely reactions by people. That's all. That's all. All right. So as Fondieri calls, for some reason, the pot is 5,800 now. The turn is the seven of clubs. Bringing yep. a gut shot for Antonio. A six now makes him a straight. Doesn't help Phil in any way. He, does, he didn't have a club on the flop, so he has no, no flush draw or anything. Helmuth is going to keep going for it. He's going to bet again. When he bets again, is he repping jack plus? Or is, do you think he could still have a four? He does not have a four ever in this spot when he, when he raises the flop and then he always checks the turn when he doesn't have a strong hand, unless he's bluffing. Uh, having watched him now for these two matches, like it's just not his move. He, he likes to check raise, even one pair. He's just always going to check raise and then almost always check the turn. Even actually sometimes if he has like top, top, he'll sometimes check that. But like, I think when he checks, he almost never has a jack. Maybe he has a little bit okay. of trappiness there, but almost like... So, so if he bets, if he bets, he doesn't have a four is what I'm trying to get to. I'm sorry. Like, he doesn't have, yeah. he doesn't have two sixes. He slows down constantly in this spot. So he's, very, he's so, polarized like crazy, even for betting. Okay. Well, he's polarized then, because he bets 3,200 into 5,800. Yeah. And with Antonio's call on the flop, you know he's not going to fold now that he hit a, he's made a gut shot. Like, he can now actually improve to a good hand if he gets very lucky. Yes. Is it better to call or to raise as Antonio? Well, okay, let's just go over what our plans would be here. If we raise, it's pretty straightforward. We just hope Phil doesn't have anything and, we, and he folds. That's fair. If we call, we're calling with the intention of missing most of the time, but taking it away on the river. And the only way we can take it on the way on the river probably is if Phil checks. Like if Phil triple barrels, we probably mostly have to give up, right? Like raising the river... Yeah. Like, maybe we're wrong, and Phil, you know, Phil actually has a jack here. You know, it's, it's, it's possible. Uh, we probably have to give up then. So I don't hate just calling, though, with the intention. Uh, it's not that expensive. It's 3200 you know. It's fine to just call, I think, with the intention of every time Phil checks the river, we bet big, and it almost doesn't matter what he has. Unless he has a jack, he's probably folding, right? I think yeah, that's okay think so. to do. What do you think? Do you like that better than raising? Yeah. I think I do. But Antonio decides to go for it right now. So Antonio does raise. Raises to 11,300. Now Antonio's repping a jack plus, obviously. Yes. So what hands do you think he would actually do this with for value? Would he do it with jack eight? Or would he not do it with all jacks? Because he's worried about game three, disastering himself and just chasing away the bluffs. There's no way he's doing it with a hand like jack eight, I don't think. Against Phil specifically, where Phil is Phil's polarized in a way where Phil probably is betting all his jacks on the turn. Uh, but you know, so cool. So we're like beating a few more than we're losing to like, it's not that good, you know? And then there's, we're going to chase away all the bluffs by raising, you know, it doesn't, it just doesn't, I don't, I think Antonio's only doing with like really good jacks. So it's probably like queen Jack plus maybe Jack 10, but probably queen Jack plus. is my guess. Okay. Yeah. And then other, other hands that it looks like Antonio could have is, uh, obviously Jack seven and Jack four are possible. Although he's got the board crushed with those hands, maybe he wouldn't want to raise. Um, more more likely feels like 7-7. Seven, seven. Yep. That feels like the hand. Yep, that feels like a really good... Pocket force is, of course, possible, too. Yeah. Um, 
But that's, yeah, that's it for value. So there's not a huge amount of value here for Antonio that he can have. I don't right. think. Well, I guess Phil comes to that conclusion as well because he decides to three bet to 29,000. Now, I guess he just believes that Antonio, if he had a very strong hand, would have three bet the flop a fair amount. I guess. I guess. I mean, maybe. Antonio barely threw bet the flop. Phil raised a fair amount. Antonio barely threw bet the flop. I think he did it once that I can remember. He did it with top pair only, like jack 10 on a jack high board. And Phil had like middle pair and folded it. You know, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know if that was a good play. I'm not sure that that was a good play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm lost in the hand now. I don't know. Where are we? What are we talking about? Who's, who's, are you the president? <laughs> who's the president? <laughs> uh, I thought we established that I would be the worst president yes. between you, me, and Helmuth. I did. We did. Oh, okay. Phil's the president. Phil's the president. Phil's the president, and he's three bet to 29K. And my question was about does he just think Antonio is always three betting right. when he has a hand on the flop? Because that would so. be, in my mind, the only way to really justify doing this. I mean, he just thinks Antonio's. Maybe he thinks Antonio's going to trap the turn a lot, but I don't know if that's true, right? Like, if you're trying to get the whole pot, you're trying to get everything, you're trying to win right now, you have to raise at some point. Raising the turn's a reasonable time, much more so than raising the flop, I think, where Phil's folding a lot on the flop if we three bet, right? This is right. a really strange play by Phil. Yeah, I mean, the 7-7 seven, seven story really makes sense for Antonio. He, he really could have sevens full here. It makes sense all the way through, right? Yeah, I mean, what, what is Phil saying? Phil's saying you don't have it, right? So why is he three-betting? Yeah. He's got ace high. Why is he three-betting? He wants to deny any equity that Antonio might have, which he does have, 8-5. Eight, eight, he could hit a 5-8 or a 6 to, to beat Phil on the river. So That's true. By this way, he's effectively denying Antonio that opportunity. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, that's it, though, right? Because like anything Antonio's raising with that isn't insta-folding to this is miles ahead, right? You would assume. You would think. You would think. Except that Antonio calls. Yeah. He calls the 29K3 bet. Keep in mind, the pot had 5,800 in it when the turn began. And now Phil Hellmuth is just three bet to 29K. Antonio has eight high with a gut shot on a paired board. So what is going on? Because Phil only has 34K back now, and there's going to be 64K in the pot. It feels like Antonio is in a corner, and I don't know why he put himself there. Okay, I think I understand what he's doing. I don't recommend this for people, but I think I get what he's doing. He believes really strongly that Phil doesn't have the heart to bluff all in on the river. So he's going to know exactly where he is on the river. He still doesn't really believe Phil because he probably doesn't think Phil's three betting very often with a monster, but he's not sure. And so this is his way he thinks of playing perfectly almost. Now he's got to pay 18,000 chips to get this information, but it's 18,000 to win like 45,000. And then, which is because that's what the pot already is, right? And now, if Phil checks the river, we just are, unless we hit an eight or a five, we're just going to have to go for it. And if Phil bets the river, we just fold. And Phil's going to tell us all, everything we need to know on the river. Now, we don't have to do any of this, though, as Antonio. We could just fold and maintain a very healthy chip lead. But Antonio thinks Phil's full of crap enough of the time, because Phil has to be super strong to put in another race here, right? Oh, when, when Phil three bets, I don't think he's got any just trip jacks anymore. Right. He's got like, like full houses. Maybe, maybe he has ace jack. That may be the only jack maybe. he can have, right? Uh, even yeah. that, though, he might just call the raise with on the turn. Maybe. Yeah. 
Uh, I think it's full houses. I agree. It's like pocket force. Pocket force makes perfect sense for Phil to have based on the story he's telling, right? Um, yeah, he could also have the Jack Sevens and Jack Force. Yes, he could. He could. Um, so Antonio just thinks, like, if Phil has one of the monsters, he's always moving in because it looks like I have a Jack. Because I just call here. Phil's always going to move in with his value because I just called. Yeah. Like, 100% Phil's moving with value. And Phil's going to definitely give up with all his bluffs because it looks like I'm never going anywhere now. Because Antonio calling does look like he's got at least trip jacks always now, right? Doesn't he yeah, have to have it? it? He has to have it. He doesn't, but he has yeah. to. I mean, that's actually, you came up with a pretty reasonable way to think about how Antonio is doing this. Um, it's just super high variance and it's definitely fancy play syndrome. But Antonio, yeah, Antonio thinks, okay, Phil pretty much is obligated to move in on the river for effectively half pot if he has a really strong hand once I call the turn because it looks like I'm really strong, which is why he also won't bluff. So I can, if I get the check from Phil, I can move in. He's never calling. Yeah. And that's the whole thought. Yeah. And, and it's 18,000 to win 45. So it's getting two and a half to one to see what Phil does on the river. And if you feel like Phil's got enough bluffs or enough give ups, then sounds great. You know, that's a pretty good price. The problem... The problem with that whole thought process is that it's a house of cards, right? Like if any one thing is out of place there, your entire plan is just fucked. Like you, you have to be right about everything, about all of your assumptions. Right. And this is why it, when forming ranges and continuing ranges in GTO, you don't include hands that are terrible because you're not, you don't want to be making a ton of these field plays where all of your assumptions have to be right for it to work out and be okay. Yeah. And to be clear, the, the two main assumptions that are happening here that I, that you're talking about that I'm aware of anyway. One is that Phil will not bluff the river. Yeah. And then two, Phil will not trap on the river. Right. Yeah. Like what if Phil has a hand, like, I don't think Phil can do this without a good Jack, but maybe we're, no, he just three bet. He just has to have full houses. He's never three betting with Jack 10 here. That's the thing. So, right. Um, you would think, but what, but there you go. There's another assumption. There's yet another assumption about where Phil's right. value really is. We think we know. We can make pretty good guesses. But now, like you're saying, we're building them on top of another one, on top of another one, and now we need all of them to be right. Having said all that, it looks like Antonio's probably right, you know? At this point, I mean, but of course, that's also just a confirmation bias. Like, we know that he's yes. right this time. It yes. doesn't mean he's overall right to make this a profitable endeavor. Yes, him. that's right. That's right. I would guess, though, I think it is fair to say Phil probably isn't going to bluff the river and probably is going to move in on, on the river for value because he's only got 34K left and now there's 63.8 in there. Like, you just assume you're always getting called if you move in. Right. So I, No, I agree. I agree with all that. But this is why ranges matter. It, this is a different version of, like, pre-flop can mess you up because you didn't have to be in this spot. This is what happened to Antonio on the flop when he decided to call with 8.5 here. If he had something that had, like, two back doors then we would diminish the amount of times that we end up in this super high variant situation, which I don't think this is a good situation to be in frequently, right? Yeah. You don't want to be in this situation <laughs> frequently if you're Antonio. Sure. So if he had had something like five, six of hearts and like only done it with hands like that, that have two back doors, it reduces the amount of times you're in that situation. It also increases the amount of times that you actually do improve to a hand that can win the pot. Yes. And I think that's a much more profitable overall strategy. Even if your field player instincts are correct in general, you have to pick and choose when you apply them. And yeah, I feel it, like this was a, a misuse of that. That's, that's fair. Um, the other thing which you had said earlier, too, was having uh, a hand with cards around the jack so you'd block some of Phil's jacks. Because Phil's yeah. probably not calling preflop with jack four off. I don't think he is. 
but Jack four suited he is. But like Jack ten, of course he's calling, and Queen Jack he's just yeah. calling, and Jack nine he's just calling. So having nines, tens, queens, even kings, probably eights, stuff like that helps block some of the jacks a little bit, and that's valuable right now. You know, well he does have an eight, so I guess yeah, I guess he has I mean, an, that, an eight. I don't know. The six that's doesn't not a, help. A super the, good blocker. The five doesn't help either. The five is of no use, right? He blocks one jack, and it's whatever the jack of the uh, the, the jack of clubs is. The you know he blocks that because he's got the five of clubs in his hand, right? Ah, uh, yeah, I guess that's right. Sure, but that's all from the flop discussion. Now we're on the turn and yeah. Phil's three bet, and we no longer think Phil has jack eight, so the eight is no longer an effective blocker in any way. Correct. Correct. Like Phil's not. Phil's almost never making this play with queen jack. It's just not three betting no. the turn without a monster. You three bet the turn in this spot because you have pocket fours and you're like, oh my God, he's got trip jacks. Oh my God, we're going to get it all in. This is incredible. Like he can't fold. You know, that's why you I mean, I actually get a little scared. I, I probably three bet with fours, but I'm also like, oh, this does look a lot like two sevens though. So I'm a little worried that I'm losing. Like I'm oh, not like thrilled. I mean, whatever. I'm not thrilled. Your head's up. You're always getting it in. I mean. Of course, but it's not like an exciting getting it in like you were saying it, I think. Oh, I, like, I disagree. A, a little, I disagree. I think when you're he- if you're playing heads up the whole time, like ranges are just wider. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think you, you understand that the getting it in range is pretty wide. And it's, of course, you're beat. If you don't have the nuts, you always could be beat. You can always worry about that a little bit. But this is like pretty darn close to the nuts right now. If you're beat well, here, you're just like, not, whatever. It's not in actuality because it's ace three. And Antonio, of course, <laughs> has eight high. That's true. And somehow these are the two hands that we end up heading to the river with 63,800 in the pot, wow. which is about as much as Phil started the hand with. And somehow these two hands are here and we haven't even finished the hand yet. And uh, the board reads, what does the board read? I'm having trouble. Okay. Four of hearts, Jack of diamonds, Jack of spades, and then seven of clubs on the turn. Yep. Nobody has anything. Antonio has a gut shot. It's crazy. The river is the ace of spades. So Phil makes aces up, which is never good against what Antonio is saying he has. Right. Right. So should Phil bluff or should he just check and figure it out? Well, I think betting is crazy bad. Like you absolutely shouldn't bet here as Phil. If we thought Antonio didn't have it before, why would we bet? How can he call? How can he, how can Antonio call with a hand worse than aces up here? Is I guess what that's, I'm not, that's why I said, that's why I said bluff. Right. How, how are we going to get Antonio to fold the hand better than aces up? That's trip jacks. Yeah, do we right? think Antonio is just going to station no matter what with trip jacks, even if it's jack deuce? I do. I think so. Okay. I think once he calls the turn bet, he's like committing himself when there's only 34K back for us with trip jacks or better. He should be committing himself there, right? I think. Yeah. He may hate it. That's a spot with jack deuce where you hate it. But if you decide to call the turn, you put in that extra 18K, you know the 34 bets, 34K bet is coming a lot in the river. Are you really folding? Seems a little bit cray. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you can I imagine be, Antonio, Antonio may not have raised Jack Deuce on the turn. We did talk about that right. briefly when talking about his raising range. He might have just been doing Queen Jack Plus. I, I think it's one of those things where, one, it, but, if, but if somehow you have just Jack Deuce and you do raise the turn and you get three bet, you decide right there, am I going with this or not, right? Like, yeah. Like, am I putting in this extra 18K or am I just getting getting away? Like, so I'm putting in the 18K. I'm, I'm really, I got to be good for the last 34 because I'm going to be getting four to one. Like, with a hand that's, with a hand that blocks a jack and is very strong heads up. Even though in this situation, not so much. But then we can fold right now. If we don't, if we don't think it's strong enough, we can fold right now. 
Like, yeah. I think this is a spot where we have a few bluffs still. Um, we have five, six, which we can just call with, right? That's the open-ended straight draw. If we have like five, six of hearts, mm-hmm. we can decide to call. Um, so we still have some hands we can fold the river, even when we call. This just isn't one of them, I think. I think. Oh, okay. Well, if that's if that's think. the true case of Antonio's thought process, and I think he doesn't have Jack Deuce. I, think I he's don't got either. like Queen Jack, Queen Jack plus for his strong hands. I agree completely. Um, so it's, it's good. So it should be an easy call for all his value, right? Right. So then I I do agree that that Helmy should not move in, and I that does show that like if the river was just a random brick, Antonio is pretty much guaranteed to win this hand unless Phil decides to check call with Ace High. Right. Right. Which would be a strange but decision based on the way the hand's playing out. Yeah, but it is the ace of spades. Helmuth does check, which I agree with you. Seems like the right decision. Yeah. Antonio's got to go for it, right? Got to move yes. in. Has to. If you play what this hand, in, if you check back here, you are, you played this hand terribly. What is, what is Antonio repping? A jack. Just like jack 10. Queen are you jack. sure? Am I sure? Are you sure you, 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 sure you want to expand the range to being that wide? Uh, I think so. I think so. To get so. called by what? Phil overplaying a worse jack. Phil deciding to... I don't think, I don't think you thought that one through. Phil, Phil rivering an ace and now going to bluff catch with it sometimes. I don't know. It's hard to come up with much. I feel like Antonio's repping full houses at this point. That's what I was getting at. I mean, those are part of it. You don't think he's repping just trip jacks at all? No, I disagree. Like I don't. I disagree. I think you don't think if he has ace jack, he's not going to move in after Phil checks. Oh, if ace, ace jack, jack is a full king house. jack. King jack. You think he's checking back king jack? I think he might be. Yeah. I mean, what do you like? You're trying to get called by jack eight that somehow three bet the turn. Queen jack that somehow three bet the turn. That, that feels really ambitious. You started by saying jack ten. By the way, do you still stand by that? Well, I, I upped it to queen jack. Like. Let's see if we can. Let's see if I can get that one past the protocol before we worry about other ones. I'm afraid you can't. <laughs> no, I don't expect Phil to play a worse jack than King Jack like this. And I, then call. I mostly agree with you, but remember that whole thing about assumptions. Like sometimes we're just we can't know our assumptions are definitely right or wrong here. You know what but I mean? But we. But in this instance, we're trying to make an assumption about what Phil's range includes. And it's not a deadly mistake to check back if we maybe could have eked out a little bit more value. I think it's, I I think mean, it's okay to have assumptions and, and work upon them. You have to sometimes. I just think that it was too many assumptions stacked on top of each other on the turn for mm-hmm. Antonio to make the call. Like You have to try to make some assumptions about Phil's range at this point. And I don't think it's worth moving in with any trip jacks hand that's not better than that against Phil's line. Because I'm struggling to imagine Phil taking that line with a hand like Jack eight or two tens or something weird that would then consider calling. I mean, it would have to be a hand like Phil had like ACE four or something, uh, or a seven or something like but that. But you would never ever see him three bet the turn with those hands. I mean, those would be weird bluffs, but you're right. I don't know why he would do that. I can't believe he three bet the turn with the hand he has, by the way, to be clear. Well, but, sure. But I hear what but you're the, saying. But, but it makes more sense than those hands yeah, because at least like it doesn't have any showdown value. You're yeah. trying to bluff out something. Yeah, and there's no... It's a club on the turn, so there's no backdoor flush draws of any kind that could be... So Phil couldn't have like turned a flush draw. Uh, no. I will acknowledge this is, it's really hard to come up with what Phil could call with. I will acknowledge that. At the same point, I feel like you're putting a little bit too much weight on this as if we're at a 10-handed full ring game instead of being heads up. 
And I'm not sure. I, I'm I not, disagree that I'm doing that. It's yeah. just about Phil's line. It's yeah. not about his preflop range. Yeah, his line. I mean, the three bets to 29K is, feels intensely polarizing, right? We're saying he's repping full houses, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe Ace Jack, but Ace Jack is now a full house anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. It seems incredibly see weak to not go for it on the river. I got to say, maybe, maybe that's just... That's not, that's the, but that's not like a real argument. Yeah. But I'm just saying out loud what I'm thinking, which is, yeah. it seems like... Or the question is, are we just never getting real value? Because then it's, then it's a good play to check yeah. back. Yeah. Huh. So maybe it's better if Phil checks the turn as Antonio, we bet, and he check raises, we call, and then he checks the river. Now we can bet some of our strong jacks for value. You believe that, yeah. right? Okay. But this is just, I the do, three bet is just too strong. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, with this line, I, I, think, I, think when it, I think if Antonio moves in, it's a full house yeah. for value. Okay. Okay. I think you're pro. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It seems like, wow, and heads up, really? We're not going to bet the, the best trip jacks? But the line is super strong by Phil on the turn. I acknowledge. I mean, against particular opponents, you can do it. But yeah. I don't think Phil's one of them, necessarily. Well, here it doesn't matter anyway, right? Phil doesn't have anything close to... Yeah, a, a he's got an ace. He can't be... I mean, he has a pair of aces now, which is nice, but... All right, so as Fondiari does move in... Yeah, of course he does. Should Phil consider calling? He did hit the ace. Yeah. Well, the only reason why we should consider calling is if we thought Antonio has calls on the turn that are just total air, right? Um, That's it. Which, yeah. which, means we were, which means the plan would have had to have been the same whether we hit the ace or not on the river. The plan should have been the same. Whatever our plan was on the river before the ace comes should be the same plan. If we were check folding, we should probably check fold anyway, right? Because it's the same range we're up against as far as we know. Yeah. Uh, ace highest should be good the same amount of time as a pair of aces. Almost certainly. Um, it isn't like Antonio would see this card and be like, that's a great bluffing card, an ace. I'll rep the no. ace here, right? That isn't in play. So, no. so, th- so it shouldn't matter. So the only question is, what was our plan ahead of time? I imagine our plan should have been to check fold the river when Antonio fucking flats the three bet on the turn. So I think we should yeah. fold. Yeah, I think so too. I think... Uh... I think Phil doesn't like that idea, though, because yeah. he's tanking. And I think what he's probably thinking is that, that Antonio is repping a full house only. And yeah. it's possible that in Phil's mind, Antonio doesn't even have the weaker full houses anymore. Like, four is full. It's possible that that's true in Phil's mind. Because so, why? Because it's effectively the same thing as King Jack against Phil's range. Huh. Okay. I guess. I guess so. Hmm. Maybe you're right. That seems that seems even crazier. Crazy is the wrong word. It, it just seems like wow. Like what is I mean, our value range then? Like our value range is so tiny if we're not moving in with fours full. At at some point you have to start just adding heads in that might feel like game theory disasters just because you have to have a value range and maybe fours full is where that begins. Feels like it um, has to. But maybe you're right. But who? But knowing Phil specifically, he might think that, like I wouldn't move in with forceful if I were Antonio. He might think that. Yeah, know? he might because Phil's the type of player who might not. Yeah, right? agreed. So, so that all is to Phil's benefit. Sitting there thinking, should I hero or not? Because it reduces the value combos immensely that Antonio could have. Yeah, if he really, if Phil's really thinking this way, and Phil did define the hand by three betting that turn, if he thinks yeah. Antonio can only have full houses and maybe only strong full houses, 
Uh, I mean, that's pretty interesting, right? I mean, Antonio's based. I mean, and, go ahead. And at the same point, now Phil blocks Ace Jack, which is a hand that Antonio might play this way. Yeah, he, I mean, he blocked it before as well. But I hear what you're saying. Uh, he blocks the full house. Yeah. Um, Ace Jack makes a lot of sense for him how Antonio played it. I will say. Like, mm-hmm. this looks like ace-jack. It could obviously be two sevens. It could be jack-seven. But it really looks like yep. ace-jack. Like, I think Antonio would often play ace-jack just like this. Yep. For sure. Uh, but you're right. We block that. That's cool. So there's, what, there's four combos of ace-jack left. There's three combos of pocket sevens. There's three combos of pocket fours. I guess there's a combo of quad jacks, but I don't really think Antonio's raising quad jacks too often on the turn, probably. He, no, probably not. Probably is the board too crushed. Uh, that's it. So, there's, so that's like what? That's 10. That's 11 combos of full houses. I guess there's jack seven and jack four, which I didn't do. So there's a few more there. But I mean, if, if the value range really is that, and we have any idea that Antonio is floating with hands like 5-8 on the flop. Yeah then it becomes a call, I suppose, right? Because Antonio just has too many hands that aren't good. Well, Antonio could have up to 23 full house, 23 combos of full houses, if you include the jack sevens and the jack fours. Yeah, and I guess he it's not just the flop. Antonio also called the three bet on the turn. It's right. really tough to put him on a random float on the flop that then becomes a random float of a three bet on the turn I mean, also. I don't think you can do it. I mean, I know, I know he did it, but I don't see how you could reasonably do that, you know? Right. Like, so I think that makes this a fold because yeah. it's just like absurd to imagine Antonio not having it, even I, though Antonio somehow doesn't have it. I agree. I don't see how we can call this. We, we, we really took a big, big, big shot. Antonio was supposed to fold multiple times. He kept choosing not to. When, he did, when Antonio calls our three bet, like we never three bet the turn is Phil Hummus. So it's so strong for him to call there. That's a hand that's yeah. not going anywhere. That's a value hand. Like we're just beat. It's okay. Not only we're beat, we're beat in a way that we like... He moves in. We're, we're, we're beat. We're beat. We have to, we've, I think we have to fold. Well, Phil calls. Phil calls. Yeah. He wins the pot. He wins the match. Yeah. This not, was not in this hand, but ultimately he wins the match. He, yeah. This is a pretty interesting spot because uh, this really turned the match around, of course. Like this really, really changed things where they basically switch stacks. You know, Phil gets up to 130. 3K, yeah, they almost exactly flipped yeah. positions because of this. Antonio really didn't have to play this hand this way at any point. I mean, he could have been in for, what, uh, 1,700 and out on the check raise, and instead he goes for it, and really goes for it in a spot that should always work, but Yeah, to be work. fair to Antonio, this should have worked, right? Yeah. Like, for Phil to make this call, he has to... Now, to Phil's credit, he has had a lot of success. Maybe maybe he really has noticed that Antonio has been floating way too much. But then to float on the flop is different than to call the three-bet on the turn. Like, you have to really put Antonio on being able to call the three-bet on the turn with nothing at all. Like, here's what I'm going to say. I don't know. So after the first match of these, I watched that match, and I made my, my declaration where I challenged Phil Helmuth to a heads-up match which he's liked a few tweets about, but it's not actually responded. That's fine. Uh, I really felt like this guy is beyond beatable to watching him that first match against Antonio. Here's what I'm going to say. So the second match, which I also watched every hand of, first of all, Phil is not doing the same things he's doing in the first match. So he's changed his game a bit for the better. He's less predictable. So I give him credit for that. But the other thing, which I think is important, and maybe to to this point here, 
he definitely has a read on Antonio. Like hmm. Antonio sizing, Phil figures out what Antonio sizing means. Actually, I think Antonio is not balanced with the sizing against Phil. Um, not so much here, but in other spots. Like Antonio on the river, when he has it, always overbets the pot. When he's bluffing, he bets like three quarters of the pot. Like that happened multiple times. And Phil like kind of got it right almost, uh, most of the time. Uh, he folded some very strong hands when Antonio would overbet the pot and stuff like that. Because he, I, and he'd like, look, he'd think, he'd look, and he'd think he'd let it go. And I think he actually had a pretty good sense of where Antonio was. And maybe that's a sizing thing. Maybe that's physical tells. I don't know what it is. But I think so. There may be an extra piece going on here for Phil this whole time. Maybe why he felt like he could three bet the turn, why he feels like he can call here is because he feels like he actually does have a read on Antonio and is correct. I mean, that's the only explanation that makes any sense because it's so hard to imagine Antonio not having it, even though I know his value combos are somewhere around 23 total combos. Those feel a lot more reasonable than eight high somehow being there. Yeah. Here's here's the... uh, Here's the argument for everything against everything I just said. After the hand, Antonio's talking about how lucky Phil is for hitting an ace, and oh my God, and it's so crazy, and he, he loses anything that isn't an ace and all this stuff. And Phil's response to that is to very vehemently state that he was moving in if an ace didn't come, which kind of fights the whole idea of Antonio. He has a great read on Antonio, or he just doesn't understand game theory, which actually may be the case. Because uh, why would you ever move in if you think Antonio doesn't have it? Because you can't call? Because it's the same call. Whether he knows or not, it's the same call whether you hit the ace or not. That's what we were saying, right? So Antonio has you crushed or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, he doesn't have anything. He's checking back. <laughs> His one pair's here. You know? He just is. It's hard for him to have, yeah, it's hard for him to have one pair to get to the river anyway, Antonio, the way he played the hand. Right. He's not raising the turn with one pair. Right? Ever. 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 And he's not moving in with one pair on the road. This is just not how he's going to play one pair. So he's either got you crushed or, he, or ace high is good. And Phil seems to not understand that and keep saying vehemently, I was moving in if, if an ace didn't come. I was going to move in. His point was I would have won the pot either way. But and Antonio actually is arguing, no, you wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't have. Inst- I don't know if Antonio's just playing into it or I assume Antonio understands that would be a horrible play to move in. But if he really had a read in Antonio, wouldn't he know that he doesn't need to move in? But he sort of is saying, I didn't think you had it. I was moving in. I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess I actually can see what Phil's saying. If, if he's to give him the full credit, he's saying that if when the ace comes now, I can comfortably check call against you because I think you have bluffs here and I can call and feel good about it and mm-hmm. like, and win extra chips. Whereas I just want to make sure I fold you out. If an ace doesn't come in case somehow you have, some weird float that's like slightly better than my hand or something like that. He has like a better ace somehow. Yeah. Something like that. Hmm. I mean, I will say as Phil, if that's, if that's his one concern, when the ace comes on the river and Antonio moves in anyway, you can eliminate an ace from Antonio's range. So, yeah. so you don't have to worry about that piece anymore. So that's fair. So maybe that's what's going on. Maybe. But ultimately what I hear, what I hear in it is I don't understand that. Like I'm so afraid of check folding that I'm going to basically cost myself an extra, the full double because I have ace high and that's not a good enough hand to call with, even though I put you on nothing. That's what I hear, whether that's fair or not. Yeah. Maybe it it isn't fair. Maybe it isn't fair. Anyway, I will say Phil played this match much better than he did the the last match. He actually looked like a a rougher opponent for sure. I was like, Oh man, if we play, this isn't going to be, I thought it was gonna be a cakewalk the first time. Now it doesn't feel as much like a cakewalk. So I was a little sad. (laughs) We're probably never going to play anyway, honestly, but no, probably not, but I will, I will take him and I will destroy him. And I will humiliate him. 
I will anyway. There should be a third match, no matter what. There, there should be a third match coming up between Antonio and Phil, right? Yeah, Antonio said before they even started that if he loses, he's gonna again challenge Phil. So now it's 200k for Antonio to play this last one. Phil's of course playing with almost entirely all, almost all of Antonio's money, not all of it, because 50k would be his as well, right? Yeah. But okay, pretty good deal for Phil. It's 50 to win 400 now. Uh, I guess 50 to win 200, really. But he's but he's forced to play this this third one, and then yeah. Phil can back out. Phil can stop after this one if he wins again or continue. I don't know. Is Anto- if Antonio loses again, is he going to play Phil again? Is he going to go for four in a row? Is he just going to assume eventually I'll win, so I might as well just keep upping the stakes? This is a blackjack strategy that sometimes wrecks people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. What's Mar- it called? Martin Gale, right? Martin Gale, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He's going to try Martin Gale Phil. I mean, you could try. It just gets more and more expensive. It does. That Martin Gale only works if you have unlimited money, right? That's right. Eventually, you'll win if you have unlimited money. But who has unlimited money? Nobody. Also, that's the casino has to take your bets. Like that's why they have max bets. That's so people right. Can't Martin Gale? That's right. That's at well, least that's one of the reasons why. why. Also, yeah, there's, there's many other it, reasons. Yeah. It's also anti-card counting measure, but you know, whatever. It's all, but 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 sure, like that. It does. It foils the strategy of I'll just keep doubling the bet until uh, yeah I can win one out of twenty times. It doesn't matter. I break even. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we'll see what happens in that third match. I'm looking forward to it. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them tongue-tied. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. and gonna be traveling the globe.